Hello, neighbors. Welcome to Mr. Robert's Neighborhood. You may have heard grown-ups talking about how they get along with other grown-ups on your planet and on all the other planets around. And sometimes, grown-ups can't exactly agree on how to get along in a neighborly way. We call these little disagreements politics. Can you say politics, neighbors? Oh, good. Well, let's go visit some of my neighbors to learn more about it. Here we are at the house of my neighbor, Phileas Etsta. My, my, that's a lot of tinfoil on the windows. I suppose that's a good way to insulate your house in the winter. Let's see if he's home. Well, hello, Mr. Roberts. Uh, hello, Phileas. I brought some neighbors with me today. Why, hello, boys and girls. Today, we're talking about politics, Phileas. And I, I know you love to talk about politics a lot. So why don't you tell my neighbors all about it? Why, certainly, Mr. Roberts. You see, boys and girls, politics is all about the rules of getting along. And the people in charge of making sure we follow the rules is called government. And our type of government is a representative democracy. Oh, my, that's, that's a lot of good knowledge. Can you say representative democracy, neighbors? It's tricky, but I bet you can. Oh, good. Now, Mr. Phileas, can you, can you tell our neighbors how representative democracy works? Well, children, all the grown-ups choose a few grown-ups to go to a special meeting and work in special offices. That process of choosing those few grown-ups is called democracy. And those chosen grown-ups are called representatives. Grown-ups choose their favorite representatives based on what rules the representative says he or she likes. And then that representative and representatives from all the other planets discuss the rules and agree on what to do. Well, that sounds like a friendly and responsible Then the way interstellar to banks move. pay to the general in charge of the army a lot of money to go start a war in a place where the manufacturing companies want to extract natural resources. And that makes all the representatives scared. So they change all the rules to make sure it doesn't matter who the grown-ups vote for. And the banks promise the general a cushy job after he retires okay, and... Okay, <laughs> I think it's time to say goodbye to Mr. Etza. Uh, goodbye, goodbye. But I haven't told them about the mainstream media yet. Don't trust the propaganda machine. Okay, okay, neighbors. Let's go find another neighbor who might tell us more about politics. You know, neighbors, some grown-ups think there should be fewer rules. Some people think that the only rule we need is the golden rule. Do you know that rule? Treat your neighbors like you want to be treated. Well, it sure makes it easier to follow the rules if there's only one. Oh, oh, here we are now. Hello, Mr. Uh, hey, 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 let's keep this anonymous, yeah, Mr. Roberts? Oh, okay. Uh, seriously, seriously, a mask? Are you... Uh, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay, okay, neighbors, this is, this is Mr. Chuckles, my neighbor who wants to live by the golden rule. Hello, Mr. Roberts. Hello, boys and girls. Uh, so, Mr. Chuckles... Tell us about how grown-ups solve problems when they don't have to follow a lot of rules. Well, we pretty much all look after ourselves. We fly around making a few space bucks however we can. Some people haul cargo, others prospect on the planet's surfaces, and then some kill people for money. Uh, uh they, they, they kill bad people, right? Uh, bad people? Uh, people that don't treat others the way we want to be treated. Oh, uh, mostly, uh... Probably. I, I didn't really ask. Oh, uh, so uh, what happens if they kill a good person for money? Oh, well, that makes people angry. Oh, I would think so. I, I wouldn't do that to a neighbor because I wouldn't want my neighbor to do that to me. It would make me very mad. So what happens then, Mr. Chuckles? Well, usually the angry people pay some friends to hunt down the first guy, and then the friends of the first guy usually pay other guys to go after those friends, and then it just cycles over and over in a constant and profitable reciprocal revenge scenario. Eventually the process eliminates all of the weakest players, or establishes a power equilibrium based on mutually assured destruction. Doesn't really matter to me though, I make out like a bandit either way, so long as the lead keeps flying anyway. Uh, okay, so uh, so so then everyone's a good neighbor after that. 
Well, externally, yeah, but within each territory, it's up to the victors to set up bases and exploit the industry and resources on their turf, often based on localised dispute resolution schemes. So what's a localised dispute resolution scheme? Well, usually it just means paying me to blow up anyone they don't like. Okay, it doesn't sound very much like your idea of politics follows the golden rule. Well, well, sure it does. Whoever has enough gold makes the rules. Oh, okay, I was thinking about a different golden rule. Okay, well, thankfully that's all the time we have today on Mr. Roberts' Neighborhood. I hope you... I certainly learned about my neighbors today. (laughs) Won't you come back to visit me? I'll probably have a lot of new home security equipment to show you. (laughs) So long, neighbors. Like, literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. We are radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Citizen civs, captains, and commanders, you've tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 103 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever and was recorded Saturday, January 15th and made available for download Tuesday, January 19th over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we take a present look at the future tech and then we bring you an interview with voice pack creator extraordinaire Paul Watson. On the flight deck, we see what news from your favourite space sims has landed as we cover Star Citizen Alpha 2.1, what we can expect from Elite Dangerous's first patch of Season 2, also called 2.1, and I gather Tony and Jeff's thoughts on virtual reality. This week, we strap Shiv and Ostrom into the SimPod as they review the X series, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Crypto, crypto, crypto. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. This week we have a case of life imitating art, imitating life. Here in the real world, 21st century Earth, specifically the wilds of Kenya and South Africa, poaching is a serious problem. Elephants and rhinoceroses... Rhinos are frequently killed for their ivory, which brings those species closer to extinction, which in turn threatens both the biodiversity of the ecosystem as well as the tourism-based economy of the areas which depend on actual living creatures to watch out of Land Rover windows. But with rhino horns going for a cool half a million simoleons, that's 330 crowns, 48 guineas, 9 pence in some parts of the world, versus, you know, a few grand for a safari trip, well, the temptations can be overwhelming. The Kenyan Wildlife Service typically employs hundreds of park rangers to prevent the poaching of the animals, but government corruption, violence against the rangers, and simple logistics, like hundreds of square miles of wilderness, work against these efforts. In something out of a dystopian sci-fi scenario, high-tech criminals overwhelm, exploit, and eventually exterminate a non-sentient species despite civilization's best efforts to stop them. I guess that's why the robotic sentinels from the upcoming space sim No Man's Sky were dreamed up. In the game, it's been teased that when you land on an unexplored planet, excessive takings of the local fauna will trigger the notice of robotic drones that will give galactic poachers a taste of their own medicine. Back here on 21st Century Earth, the Lindbergh Foundation may have just built the predecessor to the Sentinels. Well, I mean, their monitoring system anyway. Using their Air Shepherd electric drones, teams have been patrolling wildlife preserves in South Africa for over two years. In one of the test programs in Kruger National Park, poaching was stopped completely. See, low-flying manned aircraft have been shot at while tracking poachers during the daylight, and night flying at low levels across the sparse African savanna while looking for armed thugs? Yeah, not happening. But those thugs really have no defense against a hand-launched, silent, GPS-enabled drone carrying an infrared camera. Laser blasters are not planned for the immediate future. How cool is this, though? Yeah, robots protecting wildlife. How about that? Yeah. Just like a video game. I was going to say, straight out of No Man's Sky. Well, Mm -hmm. or did No Man's Sky get it straight out of us? It's a crazy, wacky, you know, M.C. Escher world we live in, man. That, That is so true. 
You know, yeah, it's you just got to go up to go down. And, and, and pass the Cheetos man because I am totally stone man. <laughs> no, it's it, it, it actually is very it's it's very cool that both, you know, the solutions in fiction and games tend to make their way into the real world. Flip phones, wireless Internet, you know, things that are only dreamed of uh, uh, in, in fiction turn into really good solutions for the real world. Yeah, like you said, unfortunately, though, they haven't got the lasers quite sorted out yet. Which There's, is- you know, some pesky legalities about, you know, civilian park rangers having, you know, death from the sky powers over, you know, people. Uh, that I mean, there's some technical things that need to be cleared up over that, but uh, but for now, it's you know, it, it's delivered such an advantage to the rangers. You know, before it's you're driving around in the bush in the dark at night with you have no idea what's over the next ridge, whether the guys in the jeep are a lost safari or in fact a bunch of poachers ready to kill both rhinoceroses and you in order to get away with killing the rhinoceroses. I mean, highly stressful. But if you have a drone, a couple thousand feet in the air with an infrared camera, and you see a jeep. And they're heading for a herd of elephants at night. Chances are they're not sightseeing. Chances are pretty good they're the poachers. So you send in your own team, and you know they have the drop on the bad guys rather than the other way around. So they stopped poaching completely when they did when they did their test. Once the poachers figured out what was going on, they're like, "Too much. Never mind. We give up." Frankly, I think they should have death from uh, Sky's capability. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you know, it, we're t- we're talking about protecting some of the last species on our planet. And these guys are, are ready enough to take your life. Yeah, that, that's, that, I mean, that's very true. Self-defense is one thing, but self-defense of a robot drone versus that, uh, you, know, you know, that pesky due process of law thing, innocent until proven guilty. You know, I hate to be the guy to rain on the parade of death from the skies, but that's my job. I'm, I'm the no fun guy. That's me. So you're, you're, you're saying that we should protect the, the lawbreakers that are going to take my life because I want to protect the animals. The law protects everyone, Jeff. Bad guys and good guys alike. I don't know. If we take a page out of the book from the guy in the prelude there, I, I think the guy with most gold should well, make the rules. So. Yeah, yeah. Which would be the poachers. That's a bad thing. <laughs> That's why Mr. Roberts didn't want to hang out with that guy anymore and is going to go home and install some pretty serious bars <laughs> in his windows. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's talk to Paul Watson, producer at HCS Voice Packs. Authenticate identity with recognition codes immediately. I am a cipher, a cipher wrapped in an enigma, smothered in secret sauce. Joining us this week is someone whose work you'll definitely be familiar with if you've ever watched a space sim video on YouTube where that player's using voice attack, and let's face it, who here hasn't seen that? Our special guest is none other than Paul Watson, producer at HCS Voice Packs, the premium, nay, ultimate in AI voice packs for voice attack. Paul, thanks for joining us. Oh, that, well, thanks. What, a, what an intro. Thank you. At least two-thirds of us around here and many of the uh, guard frequency staff have uh, downloaded your voice packs and enjoyed them in the game and and just even watching your youtube videos uh, having the computer talk back to you in a variety of voices is just it's a unique and interesting experience just to even watch yeah well i, I mean they still blow me away each time I, I i do these videos how many different voices do you have up right now how many different versions of the computer are you publishing right now it's a bit of a cheap shot, really, because most of it's the same script for each pack. I can't say that, really, but um, most of it's the same <laughs> script, and we try and add a bit of flavor to each one, but there are currently about 15, plus we've got four going on in Germany as well, and one in France. Okay, so you've got multiple languages. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we try and consider. I mean, if, if, if the fans out there ask me for something, I've always complied with, with what they want. If they say, well, look, you know, we could do with a French pack, um, then we'll do it, you know, uh, and that's how I've done it. Any, anything they've asked for, I've said, well, if it's viable, we'll just do it. So what was it that at first drew you to creating these voice packs? Like, tell us how it all got started. Well, I mean, I, I've uh, selfishly, I mean, I originally did this for my wife because she, has, she struggles with a, something called multiple sclerosis. So I started doing something and messing around with keys with, with some of the stuff she does in Windows and for a game. And uh, selfishly, I said, well, uh, look, I need to just take a closer look at this myself and cleared off and, and started doing it for me in the game. And, and she got interested in Elite Dangerous and the trading elements during the beta process. But she's put it down and uh, I've selfishly moved off. I mean, uh, yeah. But it started off like that, 
Um, I did the whole text-to-speech that most people do, but I still feel that text-to-speech doesn't bring enough to the table right now. Astra was the first one I did. I, I got in touch with Gary very, very early, in fact, and said, look, um, I'm playing around with phonetics. I want to make this nice and real. And he, he was quite surprised to see I was doing so much with it and um, started to adapt voice attack around the, the packs that we do here. But uh, I got so fed up with messing around with the phonetics. There was no filtering or anything like that. I just started messing around until we got something that was believable, really, and left TTS and thought, well, if people want to use TTS, let them. And we had a chance to talk before, and I know that our backgrounds are pretty similar, like we were working with early versions of Microsoft Voice and the home on automation. Is that kind of what, uh, besides the wife's condition, is that kind of uh, what drew you to working in this field? Or is it just something that you fell into and decided, hey, this is working for me? Well, I'm naturally born lazy in terms of, well, I work very hard, but I'm naturally born lazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I still don't, I, I think the whole world's against me. If the remote control's not near me or something's not, I mean, I just completely get out, I need anger management for it. Where's the damn remote? I'm one of these people that I, I, I just get so upset about so many things. Um, you know, if, if, if the Ministry of Crap Design pushed this stuff on us and none of it works. So I thought, well, if I can get the lights to go on and off automatically just with stuff from the DIY store and I can do this with that, that with this. Uh, yeah, the home automation is a very big thing for me. Um, for blind people, for instance, if they're getting dressed and, it, and it's dark outside or getting undressed ready for bed and they haven't drawn the curtains, it's a you know it's not a great situation for them so uh, they should be able to ask and get audible feedback are the curtains drawn and am i safe to 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 get undressed or whatever and with us and jan's disability and this sort of thing it would be really useful if um we've got door entry and things like that so turning over the tv turning the lights on and off uh adjusting temperatures for the for the shower anything like that's bound to be useful with home automation but yeah uh Conceptually, I was looking at stuff like that to begin with. I'm also curious how you got all these really good actors. I mean, Tom Baker. How did you convince them to get into this project? Well, you have to seduce them all very carefully. <laughs> it turns out that's the answer to a lot of things, seduction. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an expert writer or anything. I, would, I wouldn't dream of suggesting I'm a first-class writer. But if you have a little bit of belief in, in writing, uh, and you can be anybody, and you, you, you know, if you, most of us have some creativity. I be, firmly believe that. Um, if you put pen to paper and you've, you're confident about it, and you say, well, look, you know, deliver this, please, mate, they will. Uh, if, you, if you paint these pictures in the mind of the people and it's convincing enough when they read it, they'll, of course, perform and, and deliver that for you. And, of course... Um, Actually, let, let's, yeah. let's talk about that for a minute because uh, the Tom Baker computer voice, I think his name is Midnight, he has a story. And as my understanding is, every single one of these 15 characters in English and three in German and one in French, they all have kind of a story or a personality. Did you give that to the voice actor and say, now take this and put that into, you know, reverse thrusters, you know, feel, yeah. make this feeling shine through in the reverse thrusters segment? Well, there lies the difficulty. The first pack that we did was Leo, which was Norman Lovett from Red Dwarf. Now, I was new in this game and I thought, well, I'll write some stuff. And uh, I said, do you want to do this? Here's the deal. And he said, yes. I said, well, contractually, this is what we'll do. We'll pay you X amount, and you do this, that, and the other, and uh, we'd expect you to bring to the table a hundred or so uh, jokes, a bit of flavor, a hundred lines. Because I did Legend previously, and the actor that did Legend, uh, just an unknown, um, did that for us, and I assumed that that's how the industry works. So he agreed to it all, and I had two days booked in the studio, a Monday and a Wednesday. Now, when we finished on the Monday, he, uh, I said, uh, have you got this additional material, the, the script for, for date? He said, no, I usually have people writing for me. So I had Tuesday. I came back Monday from London. Long, long day. You know, this is a 17, 18 hour day. And I come back and I put my bag in the hallway with a feeling sorry for myself. Uh, upside down grin, if you will. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, how am I going to put this together? So the next day I had to invent Dave the dog. We pulled it off and with great nervousness, I took it back to the studio where he did it and uh, it, it's where it is now. And it went, it was very, very well received. So that's when I thought, wow, you know, I can go to Tom Baker now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it, it's that, you have to have that belief. I, I had to spend much of Tuesday knocking something together and the, the whole Leo and Dave thing was really made in a day. 
that it was tough to do but we, we got it done i say i keep saying we because i i'm trying to sell myself to a large audience but i got it done is what I'm, i have to remind myself yeah i actually did that yeah and, and well and it, i, got away you, I mean it. you're selling yourself short again because you say yeah we use the same script every single time but you kind of don't because they are distinct personalities yeah. reading reverse thrusters or shields online i mean they are maybe the lines are the same but you still have to build a new character every time you use a new voice i'm a, I'm a huge fan of um, science fiction i don't know if it's politically correct to use the term closet anymore but i'm going to use it anyway i'm a closet trekkie and a casual star wars fan that's how i like to be seen where in fact i'm a huge star wars fan a huge Star Trek fan. Not so much Doctor Who. I was when I was six and seven. Yeah, you know, Daleks used to frighten me and all the rest of it. So, <laughs> uh, huge science fiction fan, alien films, all the stereotypical geeky stuff. And of course, with that, and, and watching them time and time again, comes that second nature where you love particular lines. So, when he says, you know, quarter impulse or power to the shields, all of that stuff is 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 plagiarized and drawn from that. I say plagiarized because it is. A lot of people say I drew inspiration from this, that, and the other, and write a book. But come on, um, <laughs> it's directly drawn from our uh, everyday experiences. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I'm totally inspired by science fiction. I guess you guys are as well. Of course we are. Tell us about the numbers. Now, you can be general. I don't, I don't want specifics, but um, I was shocked when you told me what your numbers are. And so tell our audience what your numbers are, just to give them a perspective of how popular this is. In terms of the voice packs, we're getting up for 40 odd thousand users now. So it's a fair amount, but we firmly believe that there's going to be a lot more than that. We haven't really done a massive amount of marketing yet. That's quite impressive. Actually. For a homegrown utility, that's kind of amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and this is the utility that can be used with a variety of different games. Well, I mean, I, I, I did a generic script so that this could be taken to EVE, could be taken, uh, some elements I've, I've been hearing are being used with Star Trek Online, Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous. I mean, outside of that, we've got Valkyrie. I mean, they're flight command responses and power management command responses, so they should fit nicely. I have heard recently that somebody's geared their entire control system on a, a new crowdfunded game completely around the script that we've used. So that's that's quite exciting, but I can't I can't mention who that is. They, they've pretty much been inspired to do their whole control mechanism and, and the way they do their system around what we've done. So, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I'm pretty flattered by uh, what some people are doing now for us. Oh, is this sort of the other side of the virtual reality thing? You know, the Oculus Rift and Steam's product, they're things that are for output. You're more like an input, you know, I'm, I'm going to immerse myself by controlling something in a virtual reality scheme. This is kind of like the, the flip side of the virtual reality. The way I view it in real terms is these wonderful mechanics uh, that put these games together. They create and build this beautiful theatre, if you will. It's got the best seating, It's, it's all the, the doors are lovely, everything's lined. It's like walking onto a great cruise ship. And, and we just provide the props and then you sit there and you, you have your participation with what's going on on the stage and that whole atmosphere builds. But the moment that you can interact with that, stand with the guy that's performing Hamlet, you know, perform with Tom Baker on stage in real time, Huh. And each time that you fire up the game, it's different. It's an incredible thing. And when you bring virtual reality into it, that's what you have. You have the entire theater experience and more because you get to stand on stage. And that's how I see it in a nutshell. That's, that's the whole picture. You're standing there on stage doing Hamlet with these performers that do it every day and you can pull it off. You don't get to do that. You don't get to deliver lines in a movie. None of us do. But you get to deliver lines in this. That's, right. that's it. You live out an entire fantasy. It's fantastic. Elite Dangerous is uh, a work in progress. Uh, Star Citizen, many of these games are a work in progress. We're, we've got new tech now. We've got VR coming along. So it's, the theatre is still being built and the props are still being handed out and put in place. Now, if you take your virtual reality headset and you put it on, you can get in this game and, and, and people go on about, well, I'm getting bored with this. I've done a few planets. Well, that's space, I'm afraid. Or unless you're a space fan, I mean, go home because that's as much as you're going to get from it. However, I've just started doing some nebula tours for Astra which will take you in, a, in the game Elite Dangerous from uh, somewhere in the Lave system populated space out to Pleiades and then on to, uh, I think the next one's Hind and then Witchhead and Orion. And it stops at these places that are notable. You can go to these places and Astra will, will tell you a few points of interest without putting in spoilers. 
Um, and it's, I'm doing that right now. And uh, people say to me, look, if I buy it, will I get the free up? Yeah, of course you'll get the free updates. I want people to buy this product and I'll continue to do the free updates for it so that they get a theatre revisit with something new with the same voice pack. But the Nebula stuff that I'm doing takes you through three constellations and at the end of it, you, you, you know it's Ptolemy or, or, or Plantius that's discovered them. You know about the Nebulas. Uh, you, know, you know which constellation they're in. So the educational aspect of it fills you with self-importance afterwards. You end up boring your partner with, with uh, pointless facts. It's, uh, it's incredible. But yeah, uh, I, I do it often. I, she still lives with me though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but it, it's that that I want to bring. You've got to believe me, guys, when I say I'm passionate about um, making it an experience uh, so that you're in your own science fiction episode. So I realise that this is going to be a possibly quite tough question to answer because I'd imagine all of these voice packs, you know, they're like your babies, right? But you've done work with Paul Darrow, you've done it with Tom Baker, you've got Norman Lovett who plays uh, Holly on Red Dwarf. All of them have distinct personalities, like we were saying. What is your favorite voice pack that you've created so far and what is your favorite line or lines that have been recorded oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is why they never let me ask questions that's right two hard back, ones back in, in your a row i i fly with astra all the time but i had the most fun with paul darrow because we we had to write sarcasm because oh, of course i mean paul darrow delivers sarcasm and that's that's what he was cast for for um uh, avon in in blake seven, blake 7. and uh, i had a lot of fun writing that because first of all it's canned and it's everywhere so it, i didn't need to do much in terms of creativity for it but then I, I this is the thing i get conflicted i then go and spend time with brian blessed and we we do a cross well i did the crossword thing with him and we did the movie quotes and i, I mean that was just ridiculously funny um ksi not a huge market for him because of the profanity and there's a different generation of uh, and customer base for the packs um I, I did actually find him a really nice guy. He's nothing like his YouTube channel suggests. I mean, they're all really nice people. I just want to use them all. But if you take them all on board, you'd, you're, I'm sure you'd go insane. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I just mean, try it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess I guess minus is, I is if I was on exploration, I would take minus on those long mundane jumps, coupled with uh, probably the ship's cat. Now, I mean, you, yeah, because you can you can be you can vent. It's got a spray gun and stuff, and you know you can send it to the hold for for vermin checks and this sort of thing. So, I mean, they, they all bring a little bit of something, and they're all so much fun. But if you if you put me on the spot, I, I use Astra because I feel that that's the only one. You can really convincingly make your own because she doesn't exist as a person. You don't see Tom Baker's face. You can really make that particular one your own. All right, Paul. Well, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say? We're giving you the open mic. Uh, any uh, comments, well, that, plugs, mean, anything at all? Yeah, there's a, there's a few. Pl I mean, I'm talking to. I mean, I never know whether these things are going to be a yes or no. But I'm, I've I've pitched some people in LA uh, in the last week. I'm hoping that we'll get. We'll get some positive response from there. They're, they're currently looking at a con uh, there's, there's two actors. Um, you'll know them. <laughs> they're looking at contractual stuff at the moment to do stuff with us. I fingers crossed that that comes off. So watch this space. The other thing is the Galnet News thing. Um, we've we've got a, got the concept videos. It would be good if you could look at those. Um, I'd really like some feedback on that because I, I mean I don't really engage much with with reading much that's in the game. I, I pick up some cargo somewhere or a mission and, and clear off some people read it religiously but um others don't and of course to deliver that news effectively you know we've, well, we've conceptually put something together for that we'll definitely include links to these videos in our show notes they're kind of a proof of concept for a news service inside the elite dangerous mm. world yeah yeah and uh, well I'll just continue to bring things that make the game more engaging i mean or the experience more engaging i should say that's the passion thanks for joining us paul and now let's see what space sim news has hit the plate deck our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for January 15th, 2016, 105,726,000, up about half a million dollars, 1.167 million registered accounts, up about 7,000 from last week, and 892,000 ships in the UE fleet, up about 6,000. And talking of Star Citizen, it was shaping up to be another slow news week, but then Thursday happened. The biggest news, and the catalyst for most of the other items of note, is the release of Alpha 2.1 to the live servers. 
While mostly functional, with some fixes to issues identified in 2.0, this is still alpha so there are a number of known issues, and more are likely to be discovered. CIG specifically called out that the original suboptimal EVA systems are still in place. The elevator UI will sometimes give false server fool messages, and some of the doors in Arc Corp will break and trap people in the elevators. Players are encouraged to peruse the release notes and list of known issues, and to use the issue council as they play, test, and find more bugs. Along with the 2.1 release, CIG gave backers a bit of a surprise by announcing that the Vanguard Warden is now flyable in the Crusader map, and available as a loner for anyone who had pledged for one of the other Vanguard variants, the Harbinger and the Sentinel. They did caution that the current level of manoeuvrability the ship exhibits is far too high, so enjoy the more nimble heavy fighter until they adjust it. Though this was one of the more anticipated, the Freelancer also joins the list of the flight-ready ships in Crusader, and although it's lacking the new, more polished damage states, backers who have been waiting a while for this original pledge ship to become active will likely appreciate it. And finally, slightly less exciting, but likely to be a thrill for the applicable backers, the Aegis Sabre is now hangar-ready. To encourage backers who may not already have access to the newly ready ships, the Aegis Sabre and Warden are being put on sale for a week with a bundle offer that takes $10 US off the cost if you buy both ships. Of course, cross-chassis upgrades are available for both. The basic Freelancer is still available for purchase the way it always was. Vanguard's flyable now. I'm going to have to get in there and try that. But I, I, maybe I don't want to because I'm going to get spoiled if they're going to nerf the maneuverability. Well, I think it's probably still worth it anyway, just to see how it even handles, because if you've got it and you're playing it now and it's still not handling great for you and you know it's going to be nerfed, then that just might help set your expectations. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I bought it, though, thinking, you know, this is the, the F-14 of the uh, of the Star Citizen world, right? Big, heavy, swing wing, carries a lot of weapons, long range. I mean, I, I expected it to be not the greatest turn and burn craft yeah. out there, but... Uh, I, I hate I hate to be spoiled like that. I hate to think, oh yeah, that's my great ride, and then boo. But yeah, no, that's great. I, that, I, that the Vanguard was one of the ones that I sort of I pulled the trigger on that one. I had not bought, I had not bought another ship. I think the the original Connie, I bought that, and then the Super Hornet, and then I don't think that I think the next ship I bought was the Vanguard, and that was the only one that of the later ships that have been released that really fired my imagination. So it's good to see that finally in the game. I'm glad to see that they're getting these ships uh, flight ready. I, I'm still a bit concerned about some of the stuff they still need to do. There's still ships in the game that really need attention. Cutlass is one of them. I still fall through the floor occasionally. The whole, you know, getting in and out, getting into your pilot seat is still a bit of difficulty. I realize they're trying to please the masses by, you know, doing all these ships, but there's still a lot of back-end work. I, I will say, if you're running an AMD card, which I am, there was a, a hotfix available that really smoothed things out both in ED and Star Citizen. My, my cockpit is not jittering around all the, you know, uh, bouncing around. It's more stable. It still crashes occasionally, but uh, that's to be expected. I should have put it in the notes. I, I, I was thinking about that as we were talking about some of this stuff, but uh, I decided to mention it now. Well, at least half of you know half of our audience won't care because they're running NVIDIA cards. Right. But for the other half, go find that hotfix. But it is good to know, though, that all three of us here are running AMD cards, which clearly proves that they must be superior, because otherwise why would we run them? Well, mine was cheaper than the NVIDIA. Shh! Shh! Oh, sorry. It's sorry. not a dollar thing. Well, it is, but... Sorry, shh. <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, jumping back to the release, those though. Yeah, the freelancer. I am so excited for it. I haven't, unfortunately, because uh, it was released Thursday, and then I was at work all day Friday, and then we recorded the interview Friday night. I haven't actually had a chance to jump in there yet. But I'll tell you what. As soon as this show is done, that is the first thing I'm going to do: fire up, get it all patched up, and jump in and just fly, fly, my pretty. Oh, you and your freelancer. I guess you have waited a long time. Yeah, it's it's one of the original pledge ships that was like it's the the longest in coming, because I think after this they've actually now done all of the base ships, haven't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the Cutlass, the Kami, the Freelancer, Hornet, and the Aurora three hundred. <laughs> yeah, the Vanguard. I would be curious to see how it actually flies because this is one that's been on my to purchase list for a little while, and. I've kind of been holding off on it on the fact that I know it's a ship I want and I also want to give myself something to work towards when the game is released, you know, because I don't want to throw down all this money now 
and then think, oh, well, I've just kind of paid to not experience the gameplay. So that's yeah. what I'm... Javelin. It's kind of hard to fly solo, though. Maybe not. I mean, they said you're going to be able to dock it and hire AI bots. So, you know. Well, I, I suppose. But uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just... Maybe I just don't dream that big, Tony. That's clearly what it is. You're the visionary here. You're like, uh, yeah, I see that's, that's Yes, yes, the visionary, yes, who wants the, I'm just more like, this, hey, his, his own personal Star Destroyer. That's me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You are the Darth Vader here. I'm, I'm just happy, you know, I'm just the guy who's Precisely. smiling in the back of a TIE fighter. You know, that'll do. <laughs> What's this button do? Yeah, You're the FN2187, the fin of the guard frequency. How do I shoot? Well, no, hey, that Finn ended up having a leading role. Sorry, spoilers if nobody's ever seen it yet, but yeah, seriously, yeah. go sort your lives out. It's been out for a couple of months now. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of more of the, uh, you know, if, if it, there was in a credits list, I would be sort of like patron number three. You know, that's kind of what sure. I see on the grand yeah. scale of wanting to make a name for myself in the verse. Don't get me wrong, I want to experience the game, but I don't have uh, visions of rising to, you know, head of the Empire status. Oh, good. I don't have yes. to crush you on the way up. Well, I'm just thinking you're going to need servants and payons. So. Minions, yes. Yeah, oh, minions. yes, definitely minions. There we go. I like that. Too. I won't be able to sell for the people that Jeff has sweeping up his hangar. I mean, that's not going to be good <laughs> enough. I'll need, I, need, I need additional minions. Moving on, this week's dev update for Elite Dangerous. Discuss some of the new features coming in update 2.1, and which is coming soon, TM. Using tech design for the Commander Creator, slated for later this year, Frontier will add headshots for contacts, including minor faction mission givers, who will change as your relationship with the faction improves and give more information about the state of that faction. Additionally, a new class of NPC will be introduced called Mechanics. Mechanics will be your go-to guys and gals for the next phase of the looting and crafting system, also coming in 2.1. One other piece of big news in Elite is the discovery of barnacles. Yes, that's right, space barnacles. And no, they were not found clinging to some explorer's hull. They were found on Merope 5C by Commander Octo as part of the ongoing mystery unfolding around the unknown artifacts. So far, meta-alloys mined from the barnacles, briefly seen in the Horizons trailer, have restored system services at Obsidian Orbital. But will bringing together these alien metals and artifacts that caused the shutdown lead to further problems? Only time and development of the game will tell. And one thing about the mission thing with the minor faction mission givers and your relationship with that faction smacks so much of Eve. You used to go around to Eve and, and take, get these missions, but you couldn't get the next set of missions until your reputation was up. And then you had to grind this bunch of missions. Oh, it was just terrible. Uh, it, yeah. That's the way it works now. Well, yes and no. I mean, they're, mostly it's your ranking as far as combat rank, your trading rank your scouting rank and so on and so forth yeah but you got to be allied or friendly or neutral there's there's the field there for that too you're just mad about grinding period i know i hate grind what'll be nice about this i think is that'll give you it'll give a face to it and apparently from what i understood from the notes is that they'll have different sort of facial expressions or like their clothes will be scruffier or something depending on whether that faction is at war or being very prosperous and expanding or whatever. So it'll be interesting to get a visual cue of the relative prosperity of the people you're deciding to work for as you grind up your various reputations. Yeah, I, I'm waiting to see how Star Citizen approaches this, if there is even a rank and file system in that thing, if it's just monetary. Because you shouldn't have to do the same mission over and over and over again to get somewhere. It kind of breaks the whole Im think, immersion. Yeah, breaks the whole immersion of being in the universe. Honestly, I think that it should be like the first few missions that you do for them should be grindy, haul this here, take that there, and then you should be able to unlock different types of more exciting missions as you rank up, which is kind of like real life, right? right. I mean, when you first sign on with an outfit, they give you the crap work yeah. to see if you actually just show up on time and can walk and chew gum at the same right. time. Um, and, and then once you prove yourself, they give you, okay, this is a little more complex, but you've, you know, so far you haven't like, you know, run into objects as you walk around uh, in our headquarters. So we think you might be able to you know, work with that. And, and I think a follow-up on that would be rewards too, based on yeah. on time of completion. Not not that you fail the mission, but, you know, if you were uh, efficient uh, in, in completing the mission and get, uh, say you're hauling goods, you know, getting there, you're not just kind of twiddling your thumbs and, you know, 
or a quality of, you know, how much you bring or the quality of, of the items you bring or other factors that play into those missions should be considered as well. Yeah, you should be able to get a bonus for doing certain things, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Just going back to the commander creator as well, I, I don't know why, because I even enjoy this in EVE, just the ability to give yourself a portrait based on how you want your character to look. So just the idea of the commander creator in general, I do really quite like that so oh yeah i yeah looking forward to getting my hands on that i, I agree i think I, I i like the way frontier developed this i mean they, they put the game together they made it consumer friendly is what they did got it out there and then are adding more and more content to it and i think that's what i really really enjoy about ed the most is that all these things that are coming are just going to be icing for the cake that i'm eating yeah, it's like, yeah, you're eating the cake already, but then someone, a waiter's coming around saying, more icing, yes, sir? Yes. And you say, yes, please. <laughs> I still have a good amount of cake left on my plate. I'd like you to cover this part in frosting <laughs> right now. Thank you. And when you have the chocolate syrup, bring that. But now it's time for news we didn't use. Star Citizen's monthly studio report for December 2015 is out now. Project Orion is full speed ahead on its latest dev blog in this neat indie space sim. January's Hangar Flare for Star Citizen is now available. Updates to Infinity Battlescape. Focus for January is to get the prototype into backers' hands. February will be gameplay focused. So I've been thinking, guys, and I apologize for thinking in advance. I know it's a thing that we try to discourage actively around here. We hire you for your voice, Lennon, not for your brains. That is true. And so, uh, yeah, you know, we've been talking behind the scenes about the latest hotness that seems to be sweeping the space sim genre, which is, of course, virtual reality. And I know that you guys had a few things to say about it. So I kind of thought that we should try debating it. And luckily, I had a bit of spare time this week and way too much coffee, so I wrote a rule set for it. Gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to debate for us the topic of virtual reality. I will give you each 30 seconds to present your case and then a further 30 seconds to reply. As a result of a coin flip, Tony, I'm going to stick you in the four position and Jeff is going to take the against. Now, it's important to say that these opinions do not reflect those of the host. It's just an arbitrary system I made up about half an hour ago. So, Tony, tell me, why is VR the greatest thing ever? Well, like a lot of technology, this just pushes the forefront of human interaction with machines. I think that it's important for us to sort of uh, take advantage of the different ways we can interact and enhance our own abilities with those of computers. And virtual reality will give us a little closer to uh, seeing the world through the eyes of, uh, of our enhanced technological capabilities. Tony, you ignorant slut. You cannot expect a computer to already take from our families, our, our, our friends, our, our environment. And so you expect this to, you know, enhance what we already see when what it really will do is destroy the whole family life. Jeff, I understand your point there, but what when you step out of the real world and into the computer world, I think there needs to be a, a dividing line. And I think that actually can help by, by people saying, look, I'm taking, I'm checking out here, moving into here, as long as there are delineations and, and appropriate limits. But that's a problem with gambling and alcohol and everything else. As long as the person operating the equipment, interacting with the machine, uh, can set his own personal limits, I think it could be a good thing. There is something to be said for wearing a two pound or three pound, I don't know how many pounds there is, on your head for hours on end and looking like a raccoon at the end of the day. I mean, you really expect people to spend hours and hours like this. I mean, even the game companies are gearing whole games to this, to, to expect them to to sit with this with this octopus on their face. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. That, that is probably the best image I have put, been, put it in my head all day long. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the latest VR project, an octopus for your face. <laughs> the <Bop>. octopus rift. <laughs> well, what was it? In, in, what was octopus the, rift. Oh, oh wait. Me, <laughs> the octopus oh, rift. Okay. Oh, that, I think that's what we're going to call it here. I think 
I, I hereby dub the <laughs> Oculus Rift for the for this show, the Octopus Rift, based on Jeff's absolutely brilliant uh, description of it. In all serious though, I am looking forward to the VR uh, environment. I'm just not sure that it's going to be. Uh, the hype is far more than I think it's going to be actually used because uh, you know yeah. our gaming environments as they are are just. I, I, it's going to take away from all that. You know, as as with many parents of teenagers, I use my son to stay relevant and current with the times. But I, I'm constantly schooled about how far back he likes to dig in, in on the web for archives and stuff. He brought to me the to my attention uh, the Virtual Boy, which oh, was wow. an early wow. VR you know experiment. Yeah, red and black monochrome. Oh yeah, I, I said, remember Virtual yeah, Boy. Yeah, yeah. He said people got headaches after wearing that, and I'm like, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Wonder why. It has come a long way, but I don't. I don't know that it's it's to the point, like you say, Jeff, between comfort and isolation from your surrounding environment. If it's if we're to the point where it's going to be an everyday occurrence or an everyday experience for people. Well, you know, it's not out in the real world yet. We don't have. We don't know how people are going to react. Uh, you know, if there's going to be epileptic seizures. Remember the screen warnings we used to get? Oh yeah. You yeah. know, ep- epileptic seizures. Uh, you know, the headaches, like you mentioned, or other other. Uh, this could be a big flop and, and uh, things I'm excited about like uh, Eve's Valkyrie is all geared just to a VR experience so and the fact that you have to have a supercomputer to actually run this thing I mean it, it really needs a powerful PC yeah because you're effectively outputting to two monitors you know one for the left eye one for the right eye not just one and it's got to render them at different viewing angles as well so you do need quite a beefy machine to run it but uh there you go that's our thoughts on it but we're curious to know what you guys think so virtual reality is it the next big thing in gaming or is it just as gimmicky as it was in the 80s with the virtual boy let us know your thoughts send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or just post a response over on our show thread at guardfrequency.com and now that we're all caught up with the latest news let's strap shiv into the sim pod as he reviews the x series Roger to bridge if you need me i'll be at holodeck Welcome to SimPod. This is where we review older games in the space sim genre you may have missed. In some cases, I'll have played it for a little while to give my impression, and in times like these, we'll have someone who's played the game a lot more to give you even more info. Which segues me into introducing Jeff, who's played X3 Reunion. And this is Jeff the Osteron, not the Immortal. But if you can't tell them apart, you might want to clean the wax off your earbud. Hi everyone. I've personally been playing X3 Terran Conflict, but Jeff has been playing Reunion, which comes first, so how about you start? Okay, thanks Shiv. The X-Series in general has a lot of history to it. The first game in the series debuted in 1999, and it received one expansion and five sequels since then. The most recent one, X-Rebirth, came out in November of 2013. The games in general have a similar structure to what Star Citizen is aiming for. There's a story-driven campaign, or in the later games, a few of them, that exist against the backdrop of a larger universe that has a functional economy which is spread out across multiple dozens of systems and a few races. X3 Reunion, which I played, is the midpoint of the series. It debuted in 2005. The game is definitely more focused on being a space economy sim than it is on being a space flight sim. Uh, Playing with the economy is the primary focus. Even if a player is trying to push through the single-player narrative, there will be explicit and subtle obstacles to overcome that just require you to start hauling something for people to buy, either so that you can acquire a better ship and weapons to complete a combat mission, or because in the course of the campaign someone will just demand an amount of money that you won't have. Getting involved with that economy has a fairly steep learning curve. There are tutorials for trading and combat, but they only cover the basics. All the other info about how the various nuances work is buried in the game's manual, because this is back when physical purchasing of disc was far more common than online downloads. Fortunately, there are a number of archived message boards, walkthroughs, and FAQ documents available online that are sometimes easier than pouring through a PDF trying to figure out why a station won't let you dock. The controls are a bit cumbersome too. There's good support for remapping flight controls to a joystick, but managing your trade empire is done with text menus that sometimes go three layers deep. Those basically require a keyboard. 
There's no innate ability to remap most of the hotkeys, so if you have a 20 plus button joystick, you'll still need a third party program if you want to remap all the economic controls. There's a token effort to allow a player to make a living as a bounty hunter with some assassination missions and the ability to capture ships and then resell them, but in general it's always far easier and faster to make money by temporarily trading a fighter in for a freighter. The combat AI is pretty simplistic as well. Uh, the only tactical analysis you really need to do for most fights is to consider how many and what type of the ships are going to be attacking you or you want to attack. The story campaign for Reunion was fairly simple, didn't have a lot of original content or concepts, the addition of the economic requirements that I mentioned previously on occasion made it seem even grindy. If you want a space economy sim that lets you create your own interstellar trade empire, then this is great. If you're looking for a space combat or an engaging story, X3 Reunion can fill a hole for you, but it's probably not going to be something that you're going to go back to. Yeah, I can definitely agree with the assessment that it's an economic game and not very much a heavy pew-pew game. I've played about three hours now, and I've only shot at the training crates. That's just fine with me, because I love trading. Any game that has trading in it, that's what I'm going to be doing. And as a brief overview of what I've experienced so far, the opening movie was a bit confusing. It starts, I thought humanity was wiped out, but it turns out it's actually talking about the plague humanity released which was ai that seemed to be super duper self-aware and self-replicating which that went pear-shaped as always but they fixed it and said never again then some other alien jerks tried it and have the same results so i think the plot of the game is going to be what happens it's probably going to be ai trying to mess up everything when i started the game i just got thrown in and i didn't have any idea what to do i poked around and i could figure out how to fly and stuff most of those things are obvious but there was little direction, so I opened the manual, which found in Steam, and it's pretty big, like Ostron mentioned. And it mentioned the tutorial, it says try this, but if you just want to jump in, sit new game, so I couldn't find a tutorial. But I started a new game anyways, and then I saw a little thing popped up that I missed the first time, and it said to talk to the training school ship. So I got that going, and then he wanted me to shoot a crate, but I picked the merchant guy, Harry Gull, and his ship has no guns, so... I couldn't complete the training, so that was a little confusing. I've had a rough start. I blew up once running into a station because the missions have time limits and my ship's super slow. And I was trying to, I had like a minute left to dock and I blew up because I was in a hurry. Then I made a passenger upset when I didn't have life support in my cargo hold. <laughs> of course, it didn't tell me that when I uh, picked up the mission. You go to pick this lady up and she's like, what do you expect me to hold my breath? So clearly they knew this would happen. But they didn't bother to tell me in advance. But it, it's been fun. As far as I've looked in the manual, this manual is probably a lot better than Reunion. And it actually lists some things. Like if you're going to trade, it says, hey, here's you start in this system. Actually, go to these places and sell this. And you'll make this much money, give or take. And that was really nice. So I think it does a good job in the manual of telling you what to do. But in the game, it was not designed to teach you how to play in the game. Just be ready to look at the manual. The controls, they worked with my joystick, but definitely used the mouse a lot. And there's hotkeys, so I doubt you could sit on your couch and play it without a keyboard. Definitely enjoying the game. It definitely has a high crack factor. <laughs> it's like, I want more. I want more. <laughs> so Yeah, although like I said, it it's only has that high crack factor if you're somebody who can get into the trading aspect. Because if you're not doing that, there's not a whole lot else to encourage you but it sounds like if you want to be able to have a lot of different options for how to build your character and ship up then you're going to want to pick up at the very least Terran Conflict. The whole series is available on Steam. You can try the earlier games at your own risk. I mean, obviously they're going to have the limitations that exist when you're dealing with a game that's 10 or 15 years old but I've had fun with all of them even though they had their quirks. Definitely a solid recommendation on this series. Thanks for joining us in the SimPod. That's it for us simulants. So let's tune in to the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he believes there are only two types of people in this world. Those who are called the Shiv and those who aren't. But all we know is that he's called the Shiv and he'll put together this week's feedback. 
Interstellar politics, elitist power play, and star citizen is set to mirror the collapse of the Roman Empire. But what's your view on politics? Do you wish more games would include ways to dominate on a political level, or do you prefer to vote with lasers and torpedoes? And Ostrom writes in to say, I like the idea of politics being an active, driving part of the games, but I think a good system has to be actively monitored by the devs or a dedicated monitoring group. There are too many games that have a token nod to making political factions, but said systems usually only provide a different set of skins or trinkets and no actual political events or decisions ever take place. Either that, or there is no restriction on belonging to multiple and occasionally conflicting political entities, in the name of acquiring all the possible swag. So it's a great idea in theory, but unless slash until game devs are willing to risk limiting players by making political choices result in lasting consequences, either at an individual or a global level, I'd rather that they just not bother. David DeCosta resident says, I think, hope, you guys are way off base when it comes to when CIG is going to drop persistence. Persistence coming at the end of 2016 would be disastrous. Shopping, economy, trading, mining, bounty hunting, every single profession relies on persistence. I think Chris misspoke and got himself twisted up when he was referring to this year versus last year. Sayod popped in and replied to David with, they are wrong. He also wanted to say, in a game like Star Citizen, politics will help shape the galaxy just as citizens in real life. People will be involved at different levels or not at all. How it affects how we live is inherent to life. It's a must to have a living, breathing universe. Better show this week. I'm slowly coming around. Sean Newboy says, for the community question, more politics and ways for the players to affect through organizations and organizational alliances. Wonderful show, everyone. Gotta love a good piece of flying donkey. Don't you, though? Amontillado writes in, yes, though moderately. I think of single-player games like Mountain Blade Warband where internal group politics are a fun addition to the gameplay. I could also see a game like Fallout 4 with its settlement building benefiting from similar gameplay. The space sim genre is no different. Persistent online multiplayer games, however, are different. If players can form groups, there will be politics involved. A game that supports that activity with meaningful gameplay could be very fun. I think back on Star Wars Galaxies and the city I ran on Naboo. Playing as the mayor of a small player city was fun, and the game supported that through a lot of mechanics. Star Citizen, for example, with its player organizations, could very well benefit from built-in tools for organizing these groups, communicating between members, and coming to group decisions. Politics are definitely involved. When you turn political gameplay into the larger world of the game, things need to be considered carefully. I would want a heavy NPC game dev influence on political power that can't help but affect the wider player base. In other words, let the players vote for NPC politicians on the galactic stage, but not assume those positions themselves. If it's a question of being a mayor of their own outpost on some little moon, well, then by all means. Yeah, good chunk of feedback there about politics and some quite good in-depth opinions on it, I thought, there. Just before we jump on to that side of the feedback, though, I did just want to quickly address the uh, David DeCosta bit of feedback about CIG and persistence coming at the end of the year. Having gone back and listened to Ten for the Chairman again, I'm still not convinced that he was talking about the end of 2016. Sorry, the end of 2015. I think he was talking about the end of 2016, i.e. in preparation for 2017, because that was a lot of what he was talking about. The context of that certainly made it sound like that that's when it's going to be coming. And also bear in mind that 2016 isn't going to be the year of focus of Star Citizen. It's going to be the year of focus of Squadron 42, for which you won't need to do the economy. You don't need to do trading. You don't need to do mining and bounty hunting on the same level as a multiplayer experience would require. You don't have to have a a persistent economy running for that because it's a single player game. All you have to do is write the various values to a save file locally and you're done. There's no cross-galactic mapping of all those prices. So I'm still going with the initial view that we presented there of it being towards the end of 2016. And just to you know reiterate, he said it will be in there by the end of the year. That could mean May. That could mean March. It could mean November. We don't know. But it's definitely not something It could something be delayed six months and be the middle of 2017. Yeah, exactly. I think the point is, though, that it's not something that we're going to get before March at the very, very earliest. Uh, the amount of engineering time and making all the back-end stuff work and, the, and all the different points where it has to interface with all those different things, none of which are relevant to a first person running on rails, mission A to mission B to mission C. Even if those missions branch a little bit, it's just you, don't, you just don't need that stuff. And that engineering talent is going to be 
deployed to getting the the actual uh, you know squadron 42 game out the door yes but i also did like the fact that for once somebody thought i was wrong and not tony so by all means keep that type of feedback coming we were all caught up in that one you know and said we they are wrong you guys got swept up in the whole wrongness Uh, uh, tied with me you know we my my my, (laughs) my aura surrounded and enveloped all of this is that what that smell is Yes, that's it. I, I prefer to call it an aura. You may call it a cloud if you if that is, works better for you if that if you like. But I, I do like the uh, illusion that Amontillado made to Fallout Four. You know, in the settlement building stuff. You know, your alliance or allegiance to a variety of, of different in-game factions doesn't necessarily do a whole lot to restrain you from the settlement building game. It only restricts your missions. You can separate your sort of personal politics of cooperative development of your stuff from the gameplay politics of the missions you run. So I I like the idea that you could be a little local mayor of your own little town, and it doesn't really matter if you, when you go out to into the big world, if you're fighting for faction A or faction B, you can still have your own separate little niche or gameplay that is sort of disconnected from the galactic goings-on in Hullabaloo so that you can take a break from it. If you don't like how things are going, you can concentrate on that part of the game rather than the bigger part. Well, one thing I, I thought about the political system in the statement about restricting or limiting players is that what about if you don't want to be affiliated with it with any faction? You want to play neutral. Like, take our, our organization, which is Search and Rescue EMT-ish. We would want to be welcomed everywhere because we save pilots or... What about if you wanted to be a trade across uh, boundaries? I mean, I, I appreciate the boundaries and the and being stuck uh, somewhere, but I also like the lone wolves and the carefree people that uh, you know the gypsy class. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I gotta think. I gotta think that there's ways to do that. Elites manage to kind of do it for the most part, but there's got to be ways to sort of say rescuing pilots of a certain faction does not affect your faction reputation, but it does affect your, say, trade reputation. Like people will give you discounts at, at stores because you're a, you know, quote, good guy and you rescue people. You know, I, I got to think there are different levers and switches that you can pull depending on the action that it is you're performing. Right. Uh, welcome wherever you go. Oh, look, it's card frequency. Oh, you're a member of the... Uh. Hey, you saved that buddy of mine. Here, have a have a drink on me. Yeah, stuff like that. But it, but it wouldn't necessarily prevent you from docking at a certain station because you rescued too many of the pilots for the other faction. Yeah, there's got like I said, there's got to be levers you can throw for that. Our new Patreon this week is, and the winners of a brand new patch is Eric from Georgia, USA, 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 and paging Doctor Ergon. Please get in touch with us. Squawkatguardfrequency.com. We've had an issue mailing your patch, and Shiv wants to make things right. Didn't we read this last week? You hear that, Dr. Argon? That's your last warning. Soon I'm going to tear open that envelope, and the delicious patch inside will be all mine. And as a reminder of this week's community question, you've heard our thoughts on it, but we're curious to know what you think. Virtual reality, the next big thing in gaming, or is it just as gimmicky as it was in the 80s? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post over on our show thread at guardfrequency.com. So, how was the show? Was it virtually awesome or virtually worthless? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on this show's post over at GuardFrequency.com? Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak. Or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to Squawk at GuardFrequency.com. You can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 103 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 104 on January 26th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at our website guardfrequency.com but that's not all you can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on itunes and if you're not doing anything friday nights you can always join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live we start recording around 11 p.m central that's saturdays at 5 a.m gmt do you like what we do 
Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just drop us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And you can also support the show by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon logo and becoming a regular subscriber. For just $1.25, you can get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, as well as being entered into our weekly draw to win some Guard Frequency goodies. We want to thank all the Patreons who have supported us with their subscriptions week on week, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call signs section for details of how you can fly with us. And don't forget our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, and our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for his work, but above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Grown-ups choose their favorite representatives based on the rules of representative says he or she... <laughs> it's a big word, Jeff. <laughs> it's a big word, Jeff. Can you say representative? Yeah, yeah, maybe once or twice, but five times in a sense. <laughs> representative, 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 representative. And then a congressman appears. <laughs> okay. Grown-ups choose their favorite representatives based on the rules that the representative... <laughs> <laughs> Winga manga, winga manga. Oh, let's not go there. And then he just cycles over and over in a constant and profitable re- reciprocal. <laughs> <laughs> representative, representative, reciprocal, yeah. reciprocal, representative. To encourage backers who may not already have access to, uh, what is wrong with my face? <laughs> just too many responses to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't ask open-ended <laughs> questions like that. We can come up with a bunch of things. Well, we've got to fill a new segment, so I thought I might as well throw one out there now, see how long it lasts. <laughs> to encourage backers who may... <laughs> uh, using tech design for the commander creator, Slater... Slatered. Briefly seen in the Horizons trailer, have restored system services at Obsidian... Op- Orp- Op- Op- ah, God. Um, so... In true fashion, my brain has let me down. I forgot what I was going to talk about. Oh, that was right. Yes. Um, it's that stuff that's written on the screen there. I think. It is. It is. It's the copy. That's what I should do. Um, so, Shiv, I was written in here, sounds of tumbleweed. Uh, uh, do you know if Mikey has tumbleweed sounds? I'm sure we can. Just the wind, winds across the plains would work, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the heck was that?